Welcome to Reconciling Grace, a program where church leaders discuss various topics from the Bible. During the discussions, there may or may not always be agreement from every panel member on every point, but there is full agreement on the fact that the way to God the Father is through the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ. Welcome to another episode of Reconciling Grace. My name is Pete Vecchi, and I'm glad to be with you today. We have a little bit smaller panel than normal today. Uh, one of our regular panelists, Steve Wilson, is not able to be with us, but I am glad to have with us Mick Wells and Vicki Cundiff. They are two of our regular panelists here on Reconciling Grace. And today we have a topic called Music and Christianity. Now, music and Christianity are things that sometimes go together and Mick Wells is going to be leading the topic. So Mick, I think I'm going to just let you take it from here and explain a little bit about what your thoughts are on why this topic and what you'd like to cover. Well, I think music is something that everybody can relate to. In fact, music's been termed a, a language, you've probably heard it referred to as the universal language. You can get on the internet, find examples of how music is played and sung, all over the world. So it's it's something that touches everybody's life. And I was interested in looking back, peeling back and seeing what music uh, is mentioned in the Bible and for what purposes. And this is kind of like <clears throat> eating at restaurants. Some people like Asian food, some like uh, south of the border type food. Uh, everybody has a taste, and music is, is no exception. So <clears throat> when it comes to discussing music and, and Christianity, some of it's going to involve personal preferences, I believe. But there's several references to music throughout the Bible, and that's often used as a means of or a context for praising and worshiping God. And uh, I'm going to open with one scripture here from 1 Chronicles 16, 9. It says, Sing to him, sing praises to him, meaning the Lord. Tell of all his wondrous works. And so the Bible is just, that's just an example. The Bible is just absolutely filled with references to music and to singing and to instrumentation um, Vicki's going to share with us a passage from Psalm 150. I've asked her to read for us verses 3 through 6, and you can readily see how instruments play a part in praising our Lord. Praise Him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise Him with the harp and the lyre. Praise Him with timbrel and dancing. Praise Him with the strings and pipe. Praise Him with a clash of cymbals. Praise Him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise Sim the Lord. Symbols. Symbols. I guess that the Bible's talking about symbolism? I think so, depending on how you spell it. Yeah. <clears throat> so c clearly there's a lot of noise. Now, as I read that, I didn't uh, see anything dealing with electric music and amplifiers, did you? No, but I don't know that they were around back then either. I agree. So <laughs> it sounds loud, though. Yeah, it, it does. It, um, have you ever attended any churches that use these kinds of instruments? 
in praise and worship or the ones that that are in Psalm 150? Yeah. Well, symbols. Yeah, I mean, anytime you see a drum set, there there are symbols. I, I find it interesting that uh, the church where I am a member right now uh, uses what they would call maybe an electric drum set. You don't actually see a whole lot of the symbols of the drums. It's but it's it's when you hit it, it makes the sound of these things it's without. All, yeah. It, it's all electronically or digitally uh, uh, synthesized, I guess. And uh, it makes the sounds just like a regular drum would. It's all uh, digitized, but it's hard to tell the difference if you can't see what's being played. Right. (laughs) Well, you know, I was trying to figure out some things, and so I did some research. And I wanted to see where the first human musician is mentioned in the Bible. And I think I found it. Pete, would you share the passage for us? Sure. It's uh, from Genesis 4, verses 20 and 21. And I'm going to work on these names a little bit. I'm going to say, Adah gave birth to Jabal. He was the father of those who live in tents and raise livestock. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all who play stringed instruments and pipes. The father of all who play stringed instruments and pipes. Now that goes back a ways. I mean, just to find it in Genesis near the story of creation puts it back there quite a ways, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, I think about the whole idea of, you know, there are new musical instruments being um, invented all the time. Yeah. Even, even for instance, you know, you mentioned the electronic guitars and amplifiers. You think about that a hundred years ago, there was no such thing. That's right. Uh, still, it sounds like a, a lot of audible, loud sounds could be made. Right, and I guess my point is that, you know, we're talking about very, very early on in humanity. Somebody had to invent the first musical instruments. Absolutely. Um, now, I was trying to figure out where this stood in terms of timing. Uh, now, it says... Ada or Ada gave birth to Jabal. Now, what does that tell you about Ada or Ada? Well, that was a female. Okay. Well, it says he was the father of those. So is he talking about? That's what I was looking at. Was Ada the father, or was it Jabal who was the father of those who live in tents? I believe it's Jabal. Ah, oh, okay. The father okay. of those living in tents, just like Jubal was the father, okay. as you mentioned, of those playing stringed instruments. I was I was misreading that, honestly. You know, I guess even all these years of being an ordained minister, I guess I can miss these things myself. I guess we're not perfect. Well, elsewhere in the Bible, it tells us that Jubal's father was named Lamech, ah, okay. L-A-M-E-C-H. And interestingly, Noah's father is also identified as Lamech. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know if it was a polygamy situation back there, but it made me wonder if Lamech is the same person, if he's the father of Jubal and he's the father of Noah, as as indicated elsewhere in the Scripture. It makes you wonder if Jubal and Noah were brothers. Now... Why is that significant? It may not be. Uh, maybe it's a pure coincidence. I've found a number of names in the Old Testament that were the same, but they were different people. But it's interesting to think about, since Noah and his offspring, his wife and offspring, 
survived the flood and everybody else perished in the flood, could it be that the fellow Jew Ball, who was the father of all who played stringed instruments and pipes, may have perished in the flood? That's an interesting concept to me. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if he did or didn't. I just know that there was a righteous remnant preserved by God through Noah and his wife and family. So it suggests, it doesn't come right out and say it, but if, if Jubal perished in the flood and he was the father of all who played stringed instruments and pipes, could it be that we have an instance here that stringed instruments and pipes weren't always used to glorify God or to praise him? Sure, I think that we have the situation even today where basically anything that that is, anything that's been invented, anything that has been created by God can be used for noble or innoble purposes. Um, You could use things for holy purposes. You can use things for evil purposes. It's Mm -hmm. not usually the thing itself that is right or wrong. It's usually how it's used. Absolutely, and and I think it even says words to that effect about the tongue. What we can say can either glorify God or or the enemy. Well, then I turn to try to figure out what was the record of the earliest singing that took place in history. Now, we just shared uh, a passage from Genesis, which is, of course, the first book in our uh, Old Testament canon, But Job is often considered the oldest book in the Bible, and I I couldn't tell you why. It's just that that's what I've read. Have you heard anything to the contrary? Not necessarily to the contrary, more that would agree with that. Okay. So if it is the oldest book in the Bible, this passage is recorded in Job chapter 38, verses 4 to 7. The word says, where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Now keep in mind here, as an aside, this is God talking to Job. He says, who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. Interesting. This is talking about at the creation, angels shouting for joy, morning stars singing together. Now, do you think that's hyperbole or do you think that that's another way of talking about angels? And I'll explain what I mean by that. This is a poetic passage here from the book of Job, and it uses a literary device called synonymous parallelism. When you're reading along in the Old Testament, a lot of times you'll read things that are prepared in couplets, and they say the same thing in a little bit different way. And somebody has suggested that the morning stars sang together as a reference to angels, and the angels shouted for joy as a a reaffirming of that. Any thoughts on that? Is that kind of like a duet? Uh, that sounds kind of like it. Yeah. Sounds like a choir for sure. <laughs> well, well, Mick, I know that you have said oftentimes, uh, both on our program and off, 
how you said that you feel as though you have flunked discernment 101. Mm-hmm. I sometimes feel like I have flunked poetry 101. Oh my. I'm not, I am not good as much as with these ideas through the poetic um, verses of the Bible, not saying that they're bad or that they're wrong. I sometimes don't understand them as well as the factual things. You know, when you look at, I think Vicki had talked about before, books like like first uh, Samuel and second Samuel or things like that those are facts I love those facts mm-hmm. when it gets to these um, artistic words and and wondering what they meant sometimes it goes um, I, I almost want to say over my head just because I'm not exactly sure what they meant yeah I think the scripture does show us that music has always been it seems like it was created in heaven. And then, you know, when God created people, it was just that influence of the Spirit, and they, you know, created instruments and sang, Mm -hmm. because you can see that there from the Scriptures. It says, the angels sang and shouted for the joy um, at the laying of the foundations of the earth. Well, that's that's interesting to look at, too. I think that's a uh, wonderful insight. Sometimes our spirit's just within us. Mm -hmm. Kind of like it says in the New Testament, sometimes our spirits inwardly groan when we don't know what words to use. And sometimes it's just, you just feel such joy and you got to sing or something like that. And I, I believe that goes along with what you're saying, Vicki, yes, right? Yes, it does. So, well, um, we're about at the time for a break right now. So I think we're going to take our break and we'll be back in just a few moments with the second half of today's episode of Reconciling Grace. We're back with Reconciling Grace, talking about music and Christianity. Mick Wells is leading the topic, so Mick, where would you like to go from here? Well, I was curious, you know, we're all Christians here, we have a belief in in, uh, Jesus Christ and our trust has been placed in Him for salvation, and yet I've got to assume that music has played a role in our personal lives here, and I was wondering uh, if you could share how music, or I'm assuming it has shaped your life in some fashion, what part does music play in your life? And that could be secular or Christian or both. Um, but would you share with us what, how music has affected your Christian life? Well, um, this is such a loaded question for me. I... Um, grew up in a home that was often devoid of music. We were a TV family. My mom had musical talent. My dad really did not. So uh, it, it ended up that just the dynamics of our family, we watched a lot of TV. I knew a little bit of music. Uh, we didn't go to church really much when I was a kid. But... I developed a talent. I think I had an inbred talent, gift, if you want to call it that, for music. Um, man, I could get into so many different uh, areas, but let me just get fast forward to my adult life when I'd given my life to the Lord. Music like from Phil Keggy and Keith Green, mm-hmm. right when I gave my life to the Lord in around, uh, when I'm talking, gave my whole life to the Lord in September of 1980. Those were two of the big names then 
their songs meant a lot to me at that time. But I was also at the time a music major, so classical music meant an awful lot to me. And um, hearing classical music, and I was singing vocal classical music. That was what what I was trying to do as a as a major. Uh, a lot of reasons why I didn't continue in that path, but. Um, it meant a lot to me to hear these other contemporary Christian musicians, and then I ended up going into music for a while in my own ministry, and believe it or not, I, I did a lot of those things like the Keith Green songs, the Phil Keggy songs, but I also sang, if you ever heard the CD I made back in 1989, years and years and years ago, I also sang classical by singing Malat's Lord's Prayer. Mm-hmm. And uh, so different kinds of styles of music have spoken to me very often. Did your salvation experience or conversion experience change your taste in music? Um, probably not. Um, I, I had always liked various... Uh, Music. I, I liked classical music. I was one of those rare people when I was in my teenage years who actually enjoyed classical music. Most of my friends didn't usually listen to that. I mean, I grew up in the Chicago suburbs, and, and one of the groups we liked was Chicago. Mm-hmm. The Beatles, by the time I was a teenager, had broken up, but we still knew a little bit of their music. I really didn't listen that much to popular music. When I did listen to music, it was more often classical. And I'll tell you who my favorite singer of all time was, is Luciano Pavarotti. Wow, I can't even pronounce it. Uh, Well, that's uh, interesting roots there, and you probably wouldn't trade any of them. Right, And, and, and just to show you how eclectic I am, he's my favorite male singer of all time, my favorite female singer of all time, Karen Carpenter. All right, well... Quite a diversity there. Mm-hmm. How about you, Vicki? How's music affected your Christian life? My earliest memories, two of my earliest memories, involve music. Mm-hmm. And so my sister, she, she said this to me several times down through my life, and even recently, my sister Joyce, she said, Vicki, I just remember you, uh, Ozzy and Harriet would be on TV, and uh, Ricky Nelson, of course, <laughs> was on there. <laughs> Teen Idol. And she said... <laughs> Well, no, I was just a wee little kid, oh, okay. and so she and I do, and I have a, a remembrance of this that uh, the TV speaker was at the bottom of the TV of this black and white TV because <laughs> <laughs> they had colored them, but we just didn't have one at that time. <laughs> but anyway, my ear would be at the bottom of that when he always sang, you know, on the show as he got older and everything. And uh, one of my earliest memories of is my sisters, four older sisters, teaching me to twist. And so I really can't. I'm sitting here thinking I can't remember. A day in my life that I didn't listen to music somewhere because I'm number six of eight kids and they all listen to music. My mom liked music and I was just a music nut. Ever since I was in junior high, I would collect music. And so I just love it. You know, I'm, I was mostly that pop rock person and I was 20 years old, 28 years old when I got saved. And so you asked earlier about has it changed you? And so I still like that type of music, but I mostly find that in the Christian realm. And uh, I'm not saying anything against any secular music. That's what anybody wants. But I just prefer it to that. So as far as what I like, because, you know, I can't even pronounce that guy's name you said. I've heard of him. But classical music wouldn't be me when I was a teenager, <laughs> like for you, or jazz. I really don't care for that. 
And it's because of the way I grew up. I grew up with the, the pop music kind of thing, and that's what I had love for. And so I just find that in contemporary Christian music today. And I still love listening uh, to the oldies once in a while and everything. But for me, Christian music, how it has shaped me, and that switch to that has just made me have an attitude of praise and worship. Uh, you know, you can be down and and have a trouble in your life, and you know you're you're listening to that song, and the words to that song just empowers you. Or one day, a few weeks ago, uh, I heard this old song uh, by Michael W. Smith, and he, and he was talking about salvation. And maybe remember about when I got saved. And so, when you are listening to Christian music, there's just going to have that effect on you uh, greatly, and, and it just does. I mean, music it, it soothes, it comforts, and inspires. And I just think everybody has that. Uh, desire for it for the most part and what it does to them. I, I remember my daughter, she was my firstborn, and you know, by the time she could pull herself up to the stereo, she'd be there bouncing around dancing. You know, I say that she could dance as soon as she could walk. <laughs> you know, so I just think that um, just people have that love for music. It inspires, it just, it just moves your heart. Absolutely. You know, I'd uh, share a little bit about my own past. Uh, I grew up as a preacher's kid, PK, and Dad was in a denomination which I would have to call fairly legalistic, and they would have strong opinions on the types of music you should or shouldn't listen to. And my dad, in retrospect, he must have been a renegade because he would play Elvis Presley and the early rock and roll things, and he was influenced by that, and so I grew up not thinking there's anything wrong with it. I tell you, though, I've run into people to this day that— think they should only listen uh, to Christian music. Have, have you found that to be true too? Well, yeah, I, I think that, um, I think I actually experienced some of that in my own life at one point, um, because after I became a Christian, um, one of the Lord's messages to me was, I said, when I became a Christian, when I gave my entire life to him, um, I was studying music at the time, and that was kind of when I went through that transition of feeling that instead of doing necessarily classical music, not that I would do away with classical, but when I sang, rather than singing about some guy in an opera who shot this guy and his his, uh, lover is now getting ready to do this, it was more along the lines of the Lord telling me that when you sing, I want you to be singing to my glory. Mm -hmm. And so I was more or less trying to sing songs that had that kind of message. And honestly, what I was getting at here was I was living that life. I was living that out, and I was listening almost primarily to only Christian music. And I remember one time, you know, my my, my radios were all tuned to Christian stations. And one time we had to borrow somebody's car, a relative's car. And I got into the uh, car and... Um, the radio automatically came on, and it wasn't on a Christian station, and I thought these people were supposed to be Christians. What was wrong with them? <laughs> so, you know, it, it was one of the ways that the Lord used to show me, you know, not everybody is the same in that. Yeah. Um, I kind of look at it in terms of what should I expose my own head to, if that's a way of describing it. As we've talked about before, you can take things that God has given us and use them for good and use them for bad. I have to watch. I I have a close relative 
I won't name names, but I have a close relative that has to have music playing in their ears at all times. And even when they're asleep, they're wearing this or, or listening to the radio. Um, so whatever you're filling your head with, you're not actually giving the body much time to reprocess the, mm -hmm. the whole thing. It's just like a bombardment. So I'm kind of different. I like, I love music. I love to write it. I love to sing it. I love to perform it. I love to, to create it. But believe it or not, I don't listen to it much because I have and I get a disease called earworm. Is that where the same song just goes through your head over and over and over? That is a formal, yes, absolutely. Yes, it, okay. It's a formal way of talking about when a song is stuck in your head. And I really have to watch that because it can impact. I'm speaking for myself here. I get some songs stuck in my head for days on end. And if it's stuff I shouldn't be listening to, it still gets stuck there. And I wonder how to get rid of it, mm -hmm. you know. I've experienced that. I know exactly what you're talking about. And it just goes on and on and on, sometimes three, four days to get rid of that song in my head. I can't go to sleep listening to the radio because it's just the way I'm made. If I hear a song, rather than soothe me to sleep, I will be analyzing the chord progressions, <laughs> and it'll keep me awake. So uh, it's an issue of personal taste and so forth, but I also want to be very careful. To me, there's some music that, in my opinion, obviously doesn't glorify God. Uh, to other people, it might, but for me, it doesn't. And so I avoid it because I want my tastes and my interests and my inputs into my head to be something that glorifies God. So if I'm going to have a song stuck in my head, I'd like for it to be a favorite hymn mm -hmm. or something like that. But I have done terrible at tests because I'm listening to a song stuck in my head and I can't concentrate on the test I'm taking, mm -hmm. a, a written test. Vicki, have you had anything like that happen to you? Not that particularly, but you can get a song in your head. And there was a sometimes just off of a TV commercial, you know, and sometimes I have to mute it because not all those songs is, that you hear on TV is something that you want to get in your head from a commercial. And that <laughs> happened to me. And of all things, it was a song that said, I believe in miracles, you sexy thing. And I thought, you know, it was, it was an Applebee's or something like that commercial. And, you know, I thought, and then that song was, and I thought, I put that in my head. I remember <laughs> that commercial very well. Too. And now I think we're all going to have that so, earworm disease. I'm sorry. <laughs> so what I do is I can replace that with, you know, a different song that I want to listen to. So, yeah. Uh, a Christian song. So we I'm have to here. be careful about what we take in and for why. And everybody's not the same. Uh, as I get older, this may resolve because I can't remember anything. That's right. I'm the same <laughs> way, believe me. <laughs> well, as we go back and look at uh, what the Bible says or what it portrays about songs, I'd like to point out to you that there's three complete books in the Bible that are comprised entirely of songs. In other words, it may just be a, a plain verse to you, but people sang these mm -hmm. in Old Testament times. Uh, those would be the Psalms, the Song of Solomon, sometimes called the Song of Songs, and the Book of, of Lamentations. And uh, 
Did you know that they had tunes designated for some of the songs that they sang? I had always heard that, and I'd really be interested to know whatever happened to those. I, I wish they would have been preserved. Yeah, if we had a recording tapes back then, I would absolutely give my left arm, mm-hmm. well, not really, <laughs> but to know what those tunes were uh, that backed up those songs. Well, I tell you, that would be a really interesting thing, and I think this is a really interesting topic. So as we have done in the past, I believe it's time for us to just keep the mics open, and it used to be called the tape rolling. And we're going to go on to part two of this conversation next time on Reconciling Grace. This has been Reconciling Grace. If you have a comment or a question for our panel, or if you would like to invite one or more of our panelists to share with your church or group, please send an email to rg at faithandfriendsradio.com. And thank you for listening to Reconciling Grace. Reconciling Grace.